0: what I do like about this team and want to bring this back to is that all these guys want to essentially just show the world that no matter what happened to me then and what has happened to me since then doesn't mean I can't do this thing now it doesn't mean that I can't come up with a cool idea like Alex did execute that idea which is what's happening right now and literally pardon the pun blow it out of the water Mm -hmm. because no matter what has happened in your life you can do whatever you want you might have to make some modifications and adaptations to get there or some modifications and adaptations to even get the idea started but you can and that's what this crew I think is trying to show the world is hey we may have been sick at one point we may have brain injury we may have all these things and yet we can still do this thing that very few people have ever done
1: hello and welcome to before the lights podcast stories behind high performers I'm your host Brittany Wilson Today I'm gonna to be interviewing Alex Evans and Jacob Hyde. Dr. Jacob Hyde is a veteran and professor at the University of Denver, specializing in military psychology. Alex Evans is a veteran who is part of the Fighter Die crew. He was an infantry perpetrator in the British Army Reese Asset. The other members in the Fighter Die crew include Brian Knight, Special Forces, Beau Mayer, infantry perpetrator, and Christopher Kuntz, Army Rangers, Special Forces. They're the first all-American, all-veteran team to row across the Atlantic Ocean. That's about 3,000 nautical miles and will take around 50 days with four American veterans, and it's 100% self-sustained. Today, I'm going to be talking to Alex and Jacob about the story behind Fight or Die and what they hope to accomplish. You can follow along on their journey by visiting their website at usvetrow.org. That's U S V E T R O W.org. Or follow them on their social media at Fight or Die. That's Fight O A R Die. If you like this podcast, please screenshot it, share it on any one of your social media outlets. I'd love to get the story out about Fight or Die. And about the impactful messages that they're going to share today. Just make sure to tag Fight or Die and myself at Brittany1Wilson. I hope you enjoy. Let's get to it. Hi, I'm here with Alex um, and Jacob. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: So I'm here currently with uh, Jacob Hyde. And then, Alex, tell us where you're joining us from today.
2: I am in Evansville, Indiana, um, right along the Ohio River. It's nice and muggy and humid out here right
1: now. Awesome, awesome. So we're going to um, just start with Jacob. Jacob, just tell us a little bit what, about what you do um, and then how you're connected to Fight or Die, and then I'll have um, Alex just explain a little bit about Fight or Die. Sure.
0: So I'm a professor here at the University of Denver. Um, I direct the, a program here at the University of Denver called the Sturm Specialty in Military Psychology, and so here in the Graduate School of Professional Psychology at the University of Denver, we train students to become clinical psychologists and to get their PsyD degrees or their doctorates in clinical psychology. And while students are becoming clinical psychologists, if they are interested in working for the Veterans Affairs System or they're working, interested in working for the Department of Defense, or they maybe want to be a uniformed psychologist in one of the military services, Um, we are specially training students to be able to work in those areas. And so I do that as a professor and then I also have a research lab called the Military Isolated, Confined and Extreme Environments Laboratory, abbreviated MICE, (laughs) even though we don't use mice. Um, And we're studying the effects of extreme environment exposure on military members in, in hopes that we can figure out better ways to prepare people to be exposed to certain kinds of environments so that we have less mental health or less negative mental health outcomes after they leave those environments. And so that's the bulk of my work here. I'm involved with Fight or Die, both as their team psychologist, and then I'm doing some observational studies on their mission, both in preparation for their expedition, during their expedition, and after their expedition. So I'm doing some observational studies on some of that.
1: Okay. And then, Alex, just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then um, why you guys wanted to start Fight or Die.
2: Sure. Um, well, uh, I'm originally from Evansville, Indiana. Um, uh, I joined the army in 2004, um, immediately after infantry school, went to airborne school, uh, and javelin school and a couple other schools ended up in the 82nd Airborne division and second battalion 505th, which is third brigade combat team. Um, at first we went to hurricane Katrina relief, helped out down there a little bit. And then uh, we deployed to Samara Iraq in 2006. And um, so from August to November, I was in Samara, and then um, uh, my first sergeant came down and said, hey, uh, can you fly a Raven, which is a 4.7 pound balsa wood aircraft? And I said, yes, uh, you know, I was qualified. So he's like, well, good, you're going to, you're going to Bosworth with the British Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got uh, tasked with the British Army from November to April um, in a reconnaissance surveillance role. And so, um, uh, upon me arriving down there, um, uh, Rory McKenzie, we became friends. He was, uh, he was the medic assigned to my detachment. Um, he took a little bit of my, uh, took a little bit, my, bit of, little bit of my money in poker. So that's a bad thing. But other than that, great guy. Um, we had a lot of close calls, a lot of, um, a lot of indirect fire rockets and mortars, and they had a, uh, Uh, a device down on the Iranian border called an EFP, which is explosively explosively formed projectile. Um, And this particular type of roadside bomb will go through any type of reactive armor that we or the Brits have. Um, And unfortunately, Rory, um, in early 2007, um, he was hit with one of these. It uh, took off his leg near the hip, his right leg, and went through... um, the guy across from him, um, you know, pretty much, pretty much killed instantly. And, um, you know, Rory was, Rory barely made it out and he was in a coma for several months um, and lost his right leg. They, uh, the doctors weren't sure they'd be able to fit him with a prosthetic. They weren't sure that he'd ever walk again, period, you know, without crutches or in a wheelchair. And um, he got over the hump with, um, you know, with the whole uh, overcoming adversity thing, which he had quite a bit to deal with. And, uh, he and five other guys, all veterans rode the Atlantic Ocean and Talisker Whiskey Atlantic challenge in 2012. Um, there were three amputees and two able-bodied people. And, uh, one of these amputees was actually a double amputee, uh, both of his legs. And so, you know, throughout this thing, they raised 1.4 million pound for various uh, charities. Um, in the UK, um, uh, dealing with veterans, um, you know, physical issues, and also um, you know, mental health issues. He's now a, um, uh, a trustee for Thrive, which is a horticultural therapy um, for veterans, uh, dealing with various issues from, from mental health to you know learning how to use their new limbs again, etc. cetera. Uh, he's really made an impact on the veteran community over there, and up until last year, uh, Road to Recovery, which was their their team's name, uh, did this every year, and they've raised a lot of money and and, and uh, had a pretty pretty lasting effect on the veteran community in the UK. Um, and I didn't know why we couldn't do that over here, and so I started putting together a team in 2016. Uh, Bo Meyer was my first phone call. Um, it was a hard start. We couldn't um, we couldn't get it off the ground the first year year and a half. No one, no one in the United States has ever heard of people rowing across the entire Atlantic Ocean before. Um, so I think it just sounded like we were nuts. But, um, you know, it, we uh, put our heads down, drove through it, um, you know, ended up getting with these, these other guys, got a solid group of guys. Um, everybody's seen conflict. Uh, we've all had our own, um, you know, trials and tribulations mentally and physically. Um, and we kind of think that. Um, you know, it's, 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 our responsibility to do something big to affect the veteran community and show them through our actions that, um, you know, they can overcome anything too. And if four guys can row an ocean, then, then they can do whatever they, w- whatever they have on their mind and not to give up. So that's, that's kind of, kind of our message. And, you know, um, one of the, one of the the biggest things about this mission is being partnered with DU, um, being partnered with Dr. Hyde and his program. Um, as soon as we were introduced, I mean, I'm telling you this, this whole team looked at that program and said, this is, this is a fit. This is the fit. Um, and you know, we've been moving forward there, uh, with Dr. Hyde and his program. And we really, we really feel that that particular program can most possibly affect veterans moving forward. And, um, know, Dr. Hyde had talked about how they're going to be graduating doctors in military psychology and training, training his students with actual veterans. And I mean, we've we've already been through our psychological battery there. Um, And so his students get to see and deal with veterans. And then down the road, these students are going to be in, you know, in V.A. facilities and possibly V.A. facilities or private facilities. Um, and just the fact that they've dealt with veterans before, they're not just going to be somebody in a room that read a book. They, they will have already established some sort of trust with the veterans they mean to serve and help. And, uh, believe it or not, that, that trust and that, uh, that, that, I guess that chasm of understanding between the veteran and the civilian community, it exists. It's very real. And, you know, he's helping at the same time to break that down a little bit. Sorry for being so long winded, but, um,
0: you know. Hey, Alex, you know, one question we get asked a lot, and you know, there's always two sides to every story, is how how Fight or Die came to be connected with me and my program. Um, how how did we become connected? Can you remind me here, because it's been a while ago and and sometimes I don't have the greatest memory for meeting people?
2: Sure. So um uh, Lori Knight, which is uh Bryant Knight, he uh Bryant Knight's a team member. Um Lori Knight, um, contacted Denver university. Uh, I can't remember exactly who the contact was, but, uh, she was talking to somebody there about, about the team and our mission. And they just had a light bulb. Oh, I've got the guy to talk to. And then they came and found you. And I remember meeting you, uh, in a, in a conference room and kind of going over what you did, what your program was about. And we introduced ourselves and, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, great fit,
0: great fit. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, I do remember that. I think we met in the library, actually, here at the university. Um, Correct. Was, yeah. Pretty conference rooms in the library. Very good.
1: Awesome. So, Alex, you talked a lot about, um, you know, just the history behind why you started it, the history mm-hmm. behind the row. For you, what what are some of the driving forces that made you want to do this? Um, for you, like, what impacted you the most, and Um, Made you think that this row is going to have a big impact um, in the future?
2: Well, so um, a you know there was there there was Rory and um, you know that's kind of the kind of the spark to everything and um, you know what he was able to accomplish. But I'm also a VA patient. Um, You know, I've 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 been in the VA systems. Um, You know, I I suffer from TBI. I suffer from PTSD. And then outcroppings of PTSD, so insomnia, um, you know, acute anxiety, um, those sorts of things, hypervigilance. um, And, you know, I've I've been struggling with that ever since, um, I mean, ever since I saw the, saw war, Um, you know. um, uh, For a long time, I would sleep in about 20 minute spurts and, um, you know, anything outside, I'd wake up, I'd check the windows, the doors and behind the shower curtain and you know i uh, just dealing with this myself and knowing that i'm probably not dealing with with things uh, in the i guess the magnitude that some other guys are and then just being a va patient and knowing the problems that i have navigating the system um with respect to to, to care and um just just seeing all the things that need to need to be changed that i mean fortunately at this point i mean it's being realized that mental health is being looked at as what it should be as as you know an injury and in a condition, not you know not as a damaged can of green beans. And you know the VA is making some really some really long strides in 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 you know fixing fixing what is across the board. Not and this isn't VA specific. This is across the board with mental health. But you know fixing fixing some of the um, some of the issues with respect to care and getting guys into be seen and and you know veterans. We we have a very specific set of issues, and um, they all kind of center around uh, center around for the most part what what I was talking about earlier. I believe, and Doctor Hyde correct me if I'm wrong, but you know we are a very specific subset of patients, and um, you know the, I hate to say it, but you know we we have trust issues too as veterans with with civilians. Sometimes uh, a lot of guys more than more than I do, but um, you know we you have to you have to look at the veteran community for what for what it kind of is and and just as you know the veteran community and people that deal with um deal with things that most human beings will never have to have to see you know uh, no one's supposed to no human is supposed to see humans do this to other humans and i I think that's what kind of sets our issues apart a little bit and I, i can let jacob expand on that
0: yeah so i don't know what part you really want me to expand on but um you know what Alex I think is talking about is his own personal struggle, but I think that's echoed across all the teammates on this actual boat crew, is that everybody went to war in Iraq or Afghanistan or both in the most recent wars, myself included, and it's at some point we were all in the Middle East at the same time, even even though we really didn't even know each other and we were in different branches of service. But at this point, we've had almost three million people deployed to the Middle East since two thousand and one to take part in these wars. And although we've had almost 3 million people do that, there's 3 million different experiences and 3 million different stories, right? And so Alex is telling you sort of his response to coming back, which is similar to a lot of people's, but not, um, but also not the same as everyone else's either. So some people come back with some issues, some people don't. Other people develop issues later on after they come back. But what Alex is telling you is quite similar, at least to the other guys on the boat crew who have all had struggles, Um, not exactly the same as Alex, obviously, but have all had struggles since they came back from combat because being put into a combat situation, even though you're prepared and trained for that, just like going into a big soccer game, you've prepared, you've trained, you are the professional in that instance, that's great, but that doesn't mean that you are prepared for everything that's going to happen, right? Because there are always things that are unexpected. And those unexpected pieces are what, for some people, causes cause issues afterwards. And so, all the guys on this team, I think, have struggled with some aspect of their service. But certainly, what I do like about this team, I wanna bring this back to, is that all these guys want to essentially just show the world that, no matter what happened to me then, and what ha- has happened to me since then, doesn't mean I can't do this thing now. It doesn't mean that I can't come up with a cool idea like Alex did, execute that idea which is what's happening right now and literally pardon the pun blow it out of the water Mm -hmm. because no matter what has happened in your life you can do whatever you want you might have to make some modifications and adaptations to get there or some modifications and adaptations to even get the idea started but you can and that's what this crew I think is trying to show the world is hey we may have been sick at one point we may have brain injury we may have all these things and yet we can still do this thing that very few people have ever done yeah
1: absolutely and with all of that i mean like you said you share your personal stories but there's so many stories out there too uh what do you guys hope to accomplish this we'll talk about um what the row will entail later but what do you hope to accomplish um for other people and yourselves throughout um this whole thing
0: alex why don't you take that and then i've got a, a little bit of that too i think
2: Okay. Okay. Well, um, you know, for this, for this team, I mean, a lot of it, um, Hey, we're going to, you know, we, 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 have to raise money, you know, um, cash is King. Um, you know, unfortunately that's a, that's a, uh, that's a beast, but, um, what that does us, us raising money is we're able to then pay for, um, you know, a portion of Jacob's program His um, you know, getting, getting patients in and that, Need to need to be seen um, and taking care of costs incurred, taking care of, you know, whatever Jacob's Jacob's costs are and how he wants to allocate funds, what we can raise for him, um, you know, and we really feel like his program is going to be what kind of kickstarts a new, um, you know, new school of thought with respect to, to treating veterans. But, you know, individually, all of us, this is going to be, you know, we, we, we need to do this for us too. And it's um, no, it's it's going to be like a really bad Ranger school, but um, you know, it's um, it's going to be a personal achievement for us. I think, I think internally we all, we all want to prove to ourselves that we're still just as bad as we ever were. And, um, and we're going, we're going to, I mean, there's no quit in this team. There's, there's no, there is no stop um so we're 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 gonna we're going to conquer this challenge and we're going to encourage other people to conquer theirs as well and um you know every year we're going to be put, putting together a new team of four new veterans to conquer their own their own challenges their personal challenges and and you know kind of be a beacon for everybody else out there that that they can do it too so I mean it, you know a lot of this is you know, centers around encouragement to guys similar to us and you know, kind of set an example. I mean, you know, you, it's, it, it's wild. The, the ocean, rowing an ocean is not something anybody's ever heard of doing. And people ask, people ask why a lot. And, you know, that's, I think that's probably the best, the best, uh, the best answer I could give you on that. Um, because it's the craziest the craziest thing somebody can do that more people have have uh, climbed Everest or been to the moon than, than have done this. And, going to go big, go big. And so I think that's what we're doing. Um, You know, we've had a whole lot of support. We've got a whole lot of interest. And there's been a lot of veterans that have reached out to us, contacted us uh, with interests in in being involved. And, um, you know, the the conversation's key. Um, Being able to have something to have a conversation centered around and then be able to interject exactly what you're doing with it. Um, I think, I think that the conversation the outreach, and the force multiplication, if you will is um is is key with respect to getting you know getting the word out and and reaching people and letting them know about the program and letting them know that you know they're not alone and we can you know we're still we're still fighting so um Jacob, that's yeah, yeah. you got anything on that
0: yeah so that's a an awesome answer. I have to some of my science work. Uh, looks at space flight and astronauts and performance in space. And so I have to cr- um, correct Alex's fact about people being on the moon. Alex said that more people have been on the moon than have rode the Atlantic. That's not true. More people have been into space, but not to the moon. This is a commonly, people think, I, I, I most people think we sent like tons of people to the moon back in the 60s and 70s. But in reality, we've only put a few people on the moon, not that many. And we kind of quit after this, you know, early 70s. We decided you know, this isn't really worth our time anymore, not a great allocation of funds. We should probably allocate it to, believe it or not, the Defense Department, which is what we did. (laughs) But Alex is correct in that in this case, this is something that not a lot of Americans do. More people have been on top of Everest or been into space, certainly, than have rode across the Atlantic. So it's a fairly exclusive event, and it's certainly something that not a lot of people want to do. But I think that one of the interesting things about this is that In terms of military service members and veterans, one thing we know about them is that they are very, what we call, socially responsible people. They choose voluntarily, at least uh, in, in the most recent wars, have chosen voluntarily to join the military. People choose to join the military knowing, hey, I might take part in combat. I might do something that I wasn't ever prepared to do before. And I do that because... I believe in this country or I believe in my community or I want to serve my community my church my people my neighborhood I want to serve something that's bigger than me and that's why a lot of people join the military and I think one of the big reasons why sometimes military members have problems during their transition out of military service is because for the longest time four years eight years sometimes 30 years military members felt like they were doing something very important they felt like they were doing something very responsible or very important to society. And then they leave service sometimes with no clear plan, or they leave service and have a job or a career lined up, but they get in the middle of that and all of a sudden they don't feel like they are doing as much anymore. They don't feel like what they are doing is as important as it once was. And I think that's one of the cool things about not only this expedition, but kind of what we're seeing in a lot of young vets right now is that they are wanting to take part in organizations or in trips or in groups of individuals who are doing things that are impactful again right that's why we have lots of great nonprofit organizations and veterans groups who are doing really awesome things around the country because veterans are wanting to do more than just have families and get jobs they're wanting to still contribute to society in some way and so that's I think part of what Alex is talking about, but then certainly one reason why this crew is together is because they all have jobs and Alex is in college. They all are doing things with their life. They all are building families if they don't already have them. Mm -hmm. But they're still wanting to do something bigger, to still show the world, to still give back to the world, to say, hey, we can still serve in a different capacity and that's one way i think Fighter die is doing this is showing the world hey we can do these cool things no matter what's happened and we're just trying to raise awareness ultimately to show military members and veterans you can do anything you want yeah so that's what I, one of the things i think is really cool just about veterans in general is most of them still want to give back after service and this is one of the ways i think veterans can do that yeah,
1: yeah. totally it's something different than at least myself um i've ever heard of so I think it's, it's really cool what you guys are doing, and I think it'll definitely make an impact. So I know we talked a bit about um, kind of just the stigma behind um, mental health and especially with veterans. And what are your guys' thoughts on um, what you guys kind of want to do in regards to removing the stigma maybe towards um, mental health and um, some of these things that veterans are going through?
0: that's a really good question there is so much stigma not only in the active duty military population and the national guard population um, but also amongst veterans about seeking out mental health but this may make some people upset honestly that stigma is not that much different from the stigma in athletics or the stigma in certain like high performance communities of like ceos and executives there is stigma in so many populations about reaching out for help. And so, yes, it occurs in military members and veterans, but it's really not that different from the stigma in other communities. Because ultimately, when we look at that stigma, people hear that I probably shouldn't reach out for help because that's gonna make me look weak ultimately, whether that's in athletics or in the, whether it's in the boardroom or if it's in the military. Ultimately, it comes back to people are gonna perceive me as weak if, I, if they find out I'm getting help or if I'm asking for help. And that's the last thing most humans want to feel is weak. And so stigma is a big problem. One of the things I work on in my program here at the University of Denver, and I work on with individual patients when I see them too, is that psychology and mental health and mental toughness and performance, all of these things, they don't have to be special words. They don't have to be all these concepts that you have to sit down with a doctor and talk about. You don't have to come in here and lay on a couch. You don't have to come in here and have a 45-minute conversation once a week to change your mind or to feel better or to get over something that's happened. You can do that in short visits. You can do that in long visits. You can do that in one visit. You can do it in 100 visits. There's so many ways to think about changing your mind, so many ways to understand yourself better, so many ways to modify your cognition, modify your behavior, modify your emotions. There's so many ways to do that. It doesn't have to be sitting down for an hour once a week. It doesn't have to be taking pills. It doesn't have to be a combo of those two Mm -hmm. things. There's a million ways you can start to feel better. And so that's one of the ways that we're working to break down stigma in our program is to say, hey, if you want to come in an hour a week to talk about something that happened, cool, let's do it. We've got an evidence-based way of treating that. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do it that way and you want to do it a different way, that's cool too. Let's do that. If you don't want to come into the office, we'll figure out a way to come see you where you are. Because... Ultimately, this game of telling people they need to report to a doctor's office to come sit down for their hour, pay that cost, and then walk out is not the way. Mm -hmm. It's a way for some people, some of the time. But for people like military members or athletes even, military members, veterans, athletes, these people don't necessarily have time nor want to show up to the doctor's office Mm -hmm. because of stigma or because of the demands placed on their jobs, right? In case of athletics, it's very similar to military and there's constant training, there's constant meetings, there's Mm -hmm. constant other responsibilities that you're doing besides just game day, right? So similar to the military. And so, so many military members and athletes don't have time to show up to the doctor's office or don't want to be seen showing up to the doctor's office. And so, We've got to figure out the best ways to work with people like that, whether it's go on the field and work with them in the military, go on a mission with them and work with them, or like we're doing with fight or die, go to training camps, meet with them once a week via um, like the computer, via mm-hmm. technology. Um, there's lots of ways to start breaking down the stigma and to start working on mental toughness and to start working on well-being that's not your traditional show up to the doctor's office for an hour. And so that's one of the things we're doing with Fight or Die. And I think one of the things that these crew members like is that there's ways to not only get the word out about military mental health, but there are ways to be treated that are kind of uh, non-standard, if you will, and that can be creative and tailored to you. And that's what we're doing with the team. And that's what I think the team is trying to tell the world too is, hey, you may have a problem or want to see somebody, but you don't want to go to the hospital and say that, or you don't want to go to the doctor's office and that's okay. There's other ways to let us tell you what those are. And that's one of the things I think we're trying to do with the team. What do you think, Alex? No, Jacob, I think you hit everything, everything perfectly square on the head. Um,
2: One thing I, one thing I will, I will say is from our perspective, um, all all four, all four of the team members um, have agreed, realized and are anxious to uh, share our story with the world and, um this this is going to be something that's 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 a big event and we want people to see that that we understand but we're not weak right so when when somebody is having that internal struggle like jacob's talking about there uh with with asking for help and being perceived as weak we want to show them they're not you know we we want to bear our story and let them know that you're not weak you're you know you're just changed and you're fine Mm -hmm. you're not you're not you're not damaged so you know, and, and us, and us showing that and talking about it, like like right now. You know, uh, I hope that we can kind of start to alleviate a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of that stigma, and that pressure internally with the individuals out there, so that they might they might make that phone call. Or they, you know, they might they might show up at, at Jacob's office, you know, and 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 feel fine about it. And I think that's why a lot of people don't ask for it, which is probably one of the reasons that people don't receive the care is because they don't ask for it. So um, I I think that's kind of important too, but everything else Jacob said uh, my, he articulated it a lot better than I would have, but he hit every nail on the head.
0: I articulate well sometimes, honestly, because no. when when you mm-hmm. drill yeah, that when you drill down to it, I get paid to talk out loud. I'm a Professor. <laughs> so ult- ultimately the bulk of my job is talking out loud. So if I can't at least talk with with a little bit of um articulation they probably shouldn't pay me anymore, because that is my job. Um, but even I screw up a lot. But Brittany, can I ask you though, yeah. do you see this, I'm, I'm sure you see the stigma against mental health in athletics, mm-hmm. but at least in soccer, how have you seen that show up? Because I can talk, and Alex can talk about military stigma all day, mm-hmm. and I theoretically understand it from my little bit of work with some pro athletes. How do you see it show up in athletics, and do you see that similarity maybe with military members? and? Do you see that stigma showing up a lot, at least in soccer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't had a ton of experience um, with veterans or anything, so you guys are totally knowledgeable about that, but from my perspective through athletics, I think it definitely shows up. And I think for myself, I have just recently um, gotten help just for things in my life that I need to sit down and talk about. because. It's you know it's almost easy for me to sit down and talk with other people about things that they've been through right. and through this podcast, and that's what I've been doing. Um, but I think it's sometimes harder just to talk about and think about your own struggles that you've been through and just um, kind of lay it on the line because I think sometimes, um, and, and in extreme different ways, um, veterans have gone through different things, but I think it's easy to kind of just push it aside when you have a job to do. And, and if our job is to on the field like reach for perfection and um, you know just beat the other team and we're not we're not supposed to really think about where do I need to where am I failing where am I struggling really bad where do I need help because you're just trying to get better and that's a part of growing and learning I think in athletics but I think it's it's hard to dig down to the root of it rather than just oh I need to work on my left foot I need to work on you know my free kicks or something like that that stuff is easy to work on, but I think searching into the stuff that's kind of deeper down, I think that's a little bit harder to do and it's It's similar with the stigma I think I mean you know if I want to be a leader on the team, I sometimes want to feel like I have it all figured out, but I don't think that's leader- learning about more about leadership. I don't think that's leadership at all at all is pretending like you know what you're doing all the time. Right. I think it's admitting that you don't and right. accepting that helps. So right. I think it's a, a learning experience, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same for... Yeah, them. and
0: I think true leaders, I think, do learn a lot of times on the job because they're learning from their mistakes, yeah. and they're also learning from what they did well. Yeah. And so I think that's great. But the thing that's sticking with me that you just said was um, when you're on the field or in the game, you're not supposed to be thinking about anything other than what you're doing right, yeah. right then. And that's very similar to the military in that... There may be a million things going on in your life, but when it's Mm -hmm. game time or it's time for the mission, you're supposed to be on point right there, right? But what we know is that, at least in in terms of behavioral science, what we know is that you can take whatever's going on in your life and stuff it down momentarily just for the game or just for the mission. Mm -hmm. But over time, that's gonna degrade your performance. Mm -hmm. It may not have a huge impact on your performance, but it may take off the edge that actually makes you successful. It may be the one little thing that could have made you win the game or it could have been that one little thing that would have made the mission more successful. So a lot of times stuffing it down works and it's classically worked for a lot of people, yeah. but stuffing it down does degrade performance over yeah. time. Sometimes in a very minute way, but other times in very catastrophic ways, mm-hmm. either being losing the game or losing the championship or killing your friends, yeah. killing other people or being killed yourself, yeah. uh, and, you know, in a military example. So, um, I think there's, among athletes, just like among our sort of warrior athletes, if you will, there is this tendency and want and need sometimes to suppress some of these feelings or to suppress some of what's going on in your life just to make it through the mission or make it through the game. And sometimes we will have to do that. I'm not saying you we will never be able to not do that or there's a cure for that, because there's not. Yeah. There's going to be these things we all face. But... Over time, that can slowly degrade your performance. So being willing to, outside of the mission and outside of the game, look for other ways to kind of stop stuffing it down or to address some of those things, that can help us ultimately, I think. That's where I do see the similarities yeah. between, like, warrior athletes and regular athletes, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point Is because in both situations, you almost, like you said, you almost have to kind of stuff it down for the moment. Yes. But if you don't take the time to realize that you maybe need to bring it up. right. That
0: that's right. definitely something big. So absolutely, and I'm not I'm not espousing that you have to bring up all your stuff all yeah. the time, or that everything in your past needs to be talked okay. about, or right, or every experience you've ever had is something you need to bring up with a professional. I don't believe that. Okay. Truly, but I think there are some things that people may benefit from talking. Yeah. with like a psychologist or psychiatrist about. Um, but that's not everybody, and it's certainly not everything. Okay. But I think certainly more athletes could reach out for help. And certainly we know more military members could reach out for help. And if we did that more often, I think we might see just a healthier fighting force, yeah. at least in the military. We'd have a much more, our readiness of the force would be a lot higher, and people would be much um, much better prepared, essentially, to go to war, to go to combat than they are already.
1: Yeah, Alex, in your experience, how have you seen that either yourself or um, with guys you're working with? How have you seen maybe kind of just approaching this mental health aspect?
2: Well, uh, Jacob's a a big part of that. Um, You know, I I think for us anyway, um, we we, we have never experienced the ocean like this before. So, uh, you know, we, we don't know exactly what to expect. We have a good idea um but you know it it, it just it, it kind of reminds me of when we would say okay hey uh, you're on orders you're going to Samara or you're going well oh, back to Samara again, or you're going to Basra or you're going here or there you know you don't know what to expect that time either and you know it kind just kind of reminds me personally of um you show up and figure it out um you know but the mental prep uh, preparedness that that goes into that is just, is just training for the event and um and, and kind of going as you get there, um, we're all prepared for tough times. Bad, you, know, bad, you know, bad storms, bad nights. Period. Um, um, you know, we've we've all been up for days before, um, but I don't know if we've been in this kind of extreme environment for any one of us. Um, so Jacob kind of has has a tailored uh, has a program tailored for us, and is going to be um helping us along those ways showing us tricks of the trade and and when we go down to mobile alabama um the second week in september through the first week of october um i imagine he probably has something cooked up to you know to to kind of induce that that feeling of you know sleeplessness and you know make us hallucinate and and monitor us and show us what we can do better and show us you know better ways to deal with our uh our mental and physical fatigue and um Looking to experience that in kind of a similar environment. So, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, preparedness mentally, um, I think Jacobs is going to be a big part of that. It's um, it's likely going to be better than what we could have thrown together ourselves. And we're going to have a lot, a lot better guidance. Um, And, you know, he gets to gather, then he gets to gather data for his program as well. So it's, um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty much. Pretty much the way we're preparing um, yeah, mentally um you know that being said you know that going back to you know the veteran the veteran mentality like i said we we've all been in conflict zones we've all been to war and um you know just the feeling of, of uncertainty isn't something that's new to us um, and then at the same time <laughs> it's getting more real by, you know, day by day and month by month here that we're going to be uh, pushing off in Lagomera December 12th. So, um, you know, at the same time, it's, it's we're, we're creeping up to that day, the deployment date. So, uh, I don't know, It's kind of the best answer I got for you.
1: Yeah. No, that totally leads us into the next topic I wanted to talk about, because obviously, Thoreau, uh, is a lot more intense than probably even I can imagine at this point. So what are some of the physical demands? You mentioned sleep, you mentioned hallucinations, just what are some of the physical demands that you guys are going to have to face? And then how are you guys together as a group going to deal with those?
0: Alex, why don't don't you tell us what you think are the physical demands? And I'm going to, I'm going to add on some things that I think are going to be physical demands that they probably aren't expecting, or maybe they're expecting now that we've talked about it, but there are a lot of both physical and psychological demands here. Ultimately, a demand is, in this mission, any kind of stress, physical or mental, is stress, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're handling it all the same way. We're not really bifurcating or dividing up. Here's how we're gonna handle mental stress. Here's how we're gonna handle physical stress. Stress is stress, right? And so what the guys think is going to be stressful, I also think it's stressful, but then I think some things are stressful too that they don't yet until they get there. But Alex, what do you, what do you guys think? And I, I, I think I asked all of you this when you came to my to talk with my class one time, was what do you guys think are gonna be the physical stressors here? Um,
2: you know, physically, um, and like, like, like Jacob said, I mean, you know, <laughs> mental stress will turn to physical stress. Um, but, um, you know, physically, we're, we're rowing 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. So um this is I mean way, a very 2, basic
0: 3000 miles yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, we Alex um, and or all that we calculated on the team how many strokes we think each guy is going to row if it ride it through the 3000 mile mark and we came up with a number around 1.6 million strokes in or for each person oh, to man. to get across this ocean. So over the course of this time each of these guys is going to row 1.6 million strokes. So <laughs> 3,000 miles, you know, for some people, 3,000 miles doesn't sound like a long way, or some people can't even understand really mm-hmm. what 3,000 miles is. They kind of try to fit that into their existing schema of, of distance. But it's 1.6 million pulls on an oar, if you can imagine that, which is a long way. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, Alex. I just think it's so <laughs> fascinating. 1.6 million rows per person, which is incredible to me. So.
2: Right. No, you're fine. And yeah, there's, there, there's no rowboat on, uh, on MapQuest. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. It's kind walk, of walk, bike, or drive. But there's no row. I, yeah. But, um, no, at, at a very, very basic level, I mean, let's just start the hands. I mean, um, we've seen pictures of salt sores and blisters that would blow your mind. Um, so we're going to have physical pain that we're just going to have to deal with. And, um, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Um, you know, just the hands, but, uh, you know, there, there are 30 or 40 foot waves. Um, you know, the, the, the team that set the world record last year capsized something like 17 or 19 times. I know it was a prime number, but they capsized 17 or 19 times. They still set the world record, but they were all thrown overboard that many times. So, you know, uh, there's, there's always a chance of, Um, you know, guys getting banged up by the boat, flipping over on them, or, you know, um, you know, catching an oar in the back of the head or, um, you know, we're, we're preparing with uh, D D-Day response group out of, uh, Southeast Florida. And they're a bunch of old 18 Delta medics or, uh, special forces medics. Um, great guys. They, they run, um, an incredible kind of trauma school. Uh, they train a lot of guys on maritime first aid and safety and, um, you know, they're going to come down to mobile and they're, they're outfitting us i mean we're going to have everything from staples to sutures to you know different types of uh antibiotics to um you know uh pain medicines and i mean they're, they're outfitting us, and you know those are the types of things we're expecting i mean we might have to suture each other at some point
0: um alex remind me um but in terms of physical stressors too aren't uh like leg muscles and calf muscles some of the first things to go on these kinds of long rowing expeditions because you're not using your legs so much and I think about that only because like in especially soccer legs are key right like your leg strength is is a, a lot of your like ability to play well at least in terms of going on this boat legs aren't going to be used as often, so don't leg muscles tend to degrade fairly quickly amongst guys who have done this before
2: well so you lose you, you you get your sea legs and you lose your land legs, but no, the legs, your legs are very important. Um, because you're, you're pushing off essentially on a, on a rowing seat that slides back and forth on a, on a rail. Hmm. Um, and you know, your legs are very important, um, with, with respect to building them. Um, We're also, you know, when you, when you do leg strengthening exercises, uh, you build your core as well. Core is incredibly important here. Um, and you know, when you, uh, if you ever seen the guy that misses leg day, he he can only get so big (laughs) up top anyway. So, um, no, they're, they're incredibly important in building muscle throughout your body. They're incredibly important for your core. Uh, and, and you're, you're using them constantly. Um, and you know, they kind of augment your, um, your back muscles, your, your, your lats and whatnot, whenever you're, whenever you're rowing. Um, but no, you're doing, you're doing a whole lot of, a whole lot of pushing with your, with your legs, but you're not walking around, you're on a 28 foot boat. So um, you're not using them so much for, you know, day-to-day support and activities. You're The only thing you're using them for is, is to push off with. Um, so gotcha. yeah, they, you know, there, there will be some atrophy there, but it's just because you're not running around, walking around using them as they're meant to be used. Gotcha,
0: and then there's the constant sun exposure, which is, you know, can be an issue here. And then the constant dampness, because you're in the middle of the ocean, right? And it could be, there could be lots of weather or storms. So you start to combine that stuff together. And we actually um, have have seen and heard from a lot of previous rowers who have done this, that there's a lot of rowing naked because it can help decrease the salt sores. And because it's so humid and sticky and salty and wet on occasion that a lot of this is, a lot of naked rowing occurs just to kind of keep from getting those kind of sores or wounds. Isn't that correct, Alex? Right. Well, um, yes, you are. Correct. Yeah. You are correct, and, and yeah, that's that's one of those that's one of those things we're not
2: exactly looking forward to, but it's going to be a <laughs> a, ne- a necessary evil. I mean, you know, the majority of us the majority of us on a on a wet, cold night in the middle of Fort Bragg or Fort Benning have literally slept like close to close with you know cl- closer to close with one another just to stay warm. I mean. It is what it is. It's necessary. So, uh, there will be a lot of naked rowing. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the clothing and the saturation of the clothing that you're wearing. So if you're wearing, you know, some sort of trunk, we've got rowing shorts, which are kind of like bicycle shorts. Um, but, um, you know, just, just the, the saturation of it and it rubbing back back and forth on your, on your skin. Um, you know, there's, you're going to end up with, uh, end up with, some sores from that and it being salt water. Um, it's just kind of a, kind of a recipe for some pain. So to Jacob's point, there will be some naked rowing.
0: Yeah. And so when, with the biggest stressor that at least I'm worried about both as a psychologist um, and just, as a scientist is sleep deprivation. Yeah. So the way that this row is going to occur is there's four guys on the bow, right? And so there's going to be shifts where they're rowing rowing about 2 hours per person and then sleeping for 2 hours and then repeat. Mm-hmm. And so the row itself is going to take between about 35 to 50 days hopefully. There have been a few shor- you know barely shorter than 35 days and some longer obviously than 50 days. But we're hoping somewhere in that time frame as mm-hmm. to how long it's going to take. And so with this schedule of rowing for two hours and then sleeping for two hours and then doing that over and over for that long, sleep deprivation is gonna be one of the first stressors that pops up. So after the first couple days, sleep deprivation is really going to kick in. And so only being able to sleep for around two hours at a time really only allows your body to sleep for one big sleep cycle, right? Because one sleep cycle for most people takes somewhere around 90 minutes from start to finish. And in that 90 minutes, you can go from being barely asleep to very asleep at repairing your muscles and dreaming all the way back to being barely asleep again. So one whole sleep cycle takes right around 90 minutes. So with two hours of sleep, or one sleep cycle essentially, um, after just a few days, sleep deprivation is going to kick in, which is going to not only decrease their cognitive performance and increase their emotionality, They're going, to, their brains are literally going to be become more deficient at decision making. Their decision making and executive functioning will all slow down. And their emotionality or their ability to deal with their own and other people's emotions, that's actually going to go up, where they're going to be more emotional and they're not gonna be able to deal with each other's emotions as well as they could if they weren't sleep deprived. So sleep deprivation is going to have this physical effect of just making people more tired in general, but it's also going to increase the likelihood of psychological issues and, it's gonna increase the likelihood of interpersonal functioning issues because everyone's going to be tired and irritated. And so that's one of the things that I think is our biggest stressor that can drive a lot of problems um, is sleep deprivation. And so whether it just be that interpersonal functioning of working with people on the team during the race or just trying to make it through your two hour rowing shift, that's gonna be tough being sleep deprived. It's also gonna be tough when you need to make a decision about navigation Mm -hmm. Right. Do we go this way? Do we go that way? There's a storm coming. Should we try to ride it out? Should we not? So when you've got four guys trying to decide, should we ride out this storm? Should we go around it? But no one has slept really well in days. Everyone's physically exhausted. They've been out in the sun for days. Mm -hmm. Talk about stress, right? Physically and mentally. And so that's one of my biggest um, interesting biggest but also most interesting worries about this crew is how they're going to deal with sleep deprivation. But that's something I'm going to be monitoring remotely is how they're doing via sleep deprivation. And then ultimately, if that's having an effect on them. And so I'll be monitoring that remotely just because I'm monitoring it doesn't necessarily mean that I can change it. Mm -hmm. But at least we can give us some good information. But being without sleep for this long can be really hard on people and can certainly change the outcomes of s- some of these events.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, are you are they able to receive outside help like via radio or anything like that just if somebody's like okay, maybe they're not making the best decision, you know, and tell them tell them what they think they should do? Yeah, or? so
0: Alex and the boat crew will be able to call me cuz they'll have a satellite phone. Okay. But Alex um don't you guys have a support vessel within at least a few days of your position and they have a radio or um with a team, with like a doctor that you could also call a physician
2: we do we do and well so um the way that works is we check in with them daily um we give them our position we give them um you know what our what our status is if we're having issues that kind of thing but um with respect to support um they can't render any any aid without disqualifying the boat so um if we have a medical emergency a mental health emergency we run out of water you know we our boat breaks in half whatever um that's when we call them they extract us but um we can't receive aid from them Uh, and they can't the only real advice they can give you is that hey there's a storm coming from the northwest you need to row south now um but uh, that it's, it's kind of limited to that. And to, um, uh, to, to her point though, um, that we do have satellite phones. We have um, Iridium phones, and we also have, uh, it's called Iridium, uh, Iridium Go, and we can text message back and forth if we need to, and it uses the, uh, the bandwidth from the Iridium phones. But so we can call Jacob and say, hey Jacob, we're having this issue. You know, I just, I just saw a tree in the middle of Atlantic ocean because I haven't slept in a day and a half and oh, how do I get past this or, or that sort of thing. Um, we can call back for medical advice. Uh, so D-Day out of uh, Southeast Florida, that I talked about, you know, they have PAs uh, on staff too that can give us medical advice, you know, um, you know, with regard to medications or anything that like that we need of that nature. Um, and you know we can we can call home if you know call home and talk to talk to the kids or whatever. I don't I don't have children of my own, but they all do. And you know that's that, that could be a real boost for, for people too. So we've got we've got the ability to make phone calls and contact people outside of the middle of the Atlantic Ocean.
0: Um, yeah, you can kind um, of some- you can kind of think about this as an analog to being in space or on the space station, in that once you're out there you're completely on your own and self-sufficient. That doesn't mean you can't call mission control or you can't call somebody or even call your family to mm-hmm. talk or for assistance, but no one's going to come to render any assistance. Okay. Yeah. Because in this case, if they do come, you're done. Mm-hmm. right? But you can call mission control mm-hmm. anytime you want to ask them a question or yeah. to run a scenario by them. But if something goes wrong and they have to turn on their emergency beacons and have people come and find them, which could take up some time so it could take three to four or five days even to come and get them. Um, that's very different. So once they're out there, they are completely self sustaining. They can call for advice, but it's still up to them to do everything. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So obviously, there's a lot of physical, mental, just demands in general of this row. Um, at the end of each podcast, I always just ask kind of athletes. Um, it's been mostly athletes so far. Just if you could go back, what would you tell yourself, or what kind of legacy do you want to leave? outside of your sport but um, it's a little bit of a different situation so I think I want to ask you both individually just what do you hope um, and we touched on this a little bit earlier but what do you hope um, to get personally from this um, and what do you hope will happen in the future with your programs and everything Uh, what do you hope to change
0: Alex you want to take that Sure, sure.
2: Um, well, you know, personally, um, you know, um, coming off of coming off of what Rory did, and and coming up with this idea to do it in the United States, and coming from absolutely nothing, and 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 you know, no no reciprocity from really anyone out there because they all thought I was crazy. But um, you know, after the past couple of years, and finally coming to the point where we're we're almost the starting line, and um, seeing something that you know, that we all built together as four guys, you know, um, and, you know, I'm not going to take all the credit on this at all. This has been four of us putting this together since, you know, for the past, I guess, 18 months. I just had the, you know, I just had the spark, you know, and it's been everybody, Brian, Chris, Bo, everybody, you know, we've, we've put this together to get we We put, put it together together and, you know, seeing, seeing something that, you know, you created, um, succeeding, you know, um, I think is going to be a huge, a huge personal accomplishment for me. And I know it is for the other guys too. Um, and so, you know, just, just, just putting something together that succeeds and watching it pos- possibly affect people, you know, through, through Jacob's program, our outreach, our conversations daily, you know, personally, that's what gives me you know a lot of pride in what we're doing. Um, long term i mean and not even long term you know possibly very short term we might be able to change the way that people look at mental health as a whole we might be able to change the way that people perceive veterans um we might be able to change veterans lives personally um, and individually Um, and you know we're not we're not too far off of of solving a huge problem that's it's i mean the the the, the mental health crisis and specifically the veterans mental health crisis has been a scourge you know as of late you know the past several years or past 10 15 years and if you want to reach back to Vietnam the past 40 years um and you know just just being able to uh being able to affect that um I think is um you know I I take a lot of pride in, in that and uh I'm more than confident that that's exactly what's going to happen and we're going to really make our mark and change change the change change the world I mean you know I know it sounds it sounds uh you know grand and magnificent but you know we're right on the cusp of, of changing the way this this works out and the way that people are treated and, and you know changing lives so you know i I'm proud to be a part of it and that's that's pretty much where i where I sit on that Jacob?
0: You know, I, um, this, kind, this kind of work is personally very meaningful to me. And when I was back when I was in the military, I never had any idea that I would be where I am right now. But I am glad that I am. And a lot of people ask me, if you could go back into the military or go back into combat, would you do it again? And my answer is always, hell yeah, I would do it again. Because there were hard times and there were bad times during combat. And there were very bad times afterwards, after I transitioned back to living here and just becoming a college student. Um, So yeah, I would do it again because it made me who I am. And it brought me to this place right here. And this place right here right now is working with Fight or Die. And I believe in the mission of Fight or Die on so many levels. Number one, just because I'm a vet and I love to see other vets succeed and try and change the world and continue to do big things for the community. But then as both a psychologist and a scientist, this hits all of the buttons for me. This is my research interest, isolated, confined, in extreme environments. This is one of those extreme environments. This hits my clinical interest, which is military members and veterans. This hits all the things for me that I feel like are important. And so I love what this crew is doing. I love working with the crew. And we see so many military members and so many veterans who are physically unhealthy, who are overweight, who are obese, have multiple kinds of physical and mental health problems but just because they have those things or have had those things doesn't mean they can't do something like this. And expeditions like what Fight or Die is doing, trips like organizations like Outward Bound does, these kinds of things, while not being traditional mental health or being traditional physical health kinds of remedies, they can be helpful. They can change people. They can make people healthier. And so I believe in what Fight or Die is doing. And I really believe that veterans and service members no matter their age, can do activities like this and can take part in efforts like this. And these kinds of things can change their life. They don't always have to be with a doctor. They don't always have to take a pill. They don't always have to do those things. They can do things just like this in order to change themselves and to change the world around them. And so that's why I believe in this crew and that's why I love being a part of it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I'm so excited to follow along and see um, what you guys do with this. And I want to thank you both for not only joining me on the podcast today, but for your service and all that you continue to do. So thank you guys so much.
2: Thanks for having me on, Brittany. Thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much. And on behalf of the rest of the crew, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the message from Alex and Jacob today. If you did, again, please share this on any of your social media outlets so people can follow, fight or die, support them in their journey and hear more about their mission. Again, you can go to usvetrow.org or follow along on their social media outlets at Fight or Die. I hope this story inspired you to go out, live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.